Hey, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. We are so happy to have you tune in for another incredible sermon. Let's tune in together. Hey, welcome to church. My name is Brett. I'm so glad that you're here. It's an honor for me to be able to get to spend time with you and your family in this way. I love that we're gathered from home to home and house to house and in a digital expression and that uh, we'll be able to gather again soon. But the great thing is for those of you who've really found a home here online, uh, first of all, it's amazing that that you can actually, you know, from no, no matter where we're watching from, that we can actually find community here. And online's not going anywhere. And so we'll gather, we'll be able to gather online and in person and, and continue to grow our family uh, literally across the globe. Shout out to those watching today uh, in Jamaica. Hey, thanks for joining us. We've got some in Finland and Slovenia. I think we got another one over in Australia. So thanks for watching uh, today and across Canada, our great nation of Canada. Now, just before we dive into the scripture, we're in the midst of a series called Embrace the Mystery. We're talking about the Trinity. We're really kind of wrapping our minds around some of these really, really big ideas. We're using scripture. We believe the Bible is full of timeless truth for everyday life. But I just want to set some parameters uh, for our gathering today today. you know, uh, as as we've done this giant pivot along with every other church on the planet moving to online, uh, we have one simple saying. We're trying to get better every week. And as, uh, and as we do this, we're learning more and more and we're catching more and more things. So throughout uh, some of our live services and, and our live streams and broadcasts, you might notice some things. Uh, you might We might have some issues from time to time. Uh, I want to let you know that we've got a team that's working tireless, tirelessly on this, uh, that, that they're watching it. If if you've seen it, somebody else, chances are, has already seen it, and they're already working to fix it and correct it and, and to, to keep making a better experience week after week. Our goal is simple. Uh, we're here to get better every week, and we're here to point people to Jesus. So I, I'm just going to make this request of you. Instead of dropping it in a comment, if it's a major technical issue, our team is going to let you know when something pops up. And, uh, you know, Instead of just like rushing straight to the comments, why don't we focus in on what Jesus is trying to say to us today so that we can lean into his presence. This is our opportunity to gather and to glean what we can. And if, and if the biggest conversation that we have is about what went wrong, then I think we're missing all the good things that Jesus has for us. And uh, so I'm just going to encourage you today. Let's lean in. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to jump into the scripture. Come on, let's pray together. So Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in this way. We gather around your word and around your name, and we set our hearts and our lives, and we build uh, on the foundation that you have given us. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace, your unfailing love and faithfulness. That's who you are. So we thank you for that. Thank you that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, let's jump over. We're going to Isaiah 43. We always start with scripture. That's our starting place. It's our ending place. It's, it's, it's the foundation. We're going to Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verse 10. It says this, but you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never 
will be. I mean, that's that's quite an introduction. I alone am God. There's no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. It's always interesting when you're getting to know uh, new people. And uh, I, I can remember when I first started Desiree, uh, dating my wife, Desiree, uh, we went out with one of her like childhood close friends and we went out and we were at a restaurant. She just got off work and, and it was our first opportunity to connect and to meet. And you know, you're, you're letting uh, an important person into uh, another and meet, meeting a new important person in your life. And, and those kind of conversations can always be a little difficult and strained. But uh, I think what I know now that I didn't know then is that we've got different personalities and different ways of revealing ourselves to one another. And what works for me doesn't work for other people. And, and so Desiree's friend, she's like one of those people who wants to go deep immediately. And so as she started asking me questions, it started out kind of slow. And then it's like, what's the dreams and the plans and the purposes that God placed in your heart? And all of a sudden I'm like underwater, we're going deep. And really it feel it felt like I was like in an episode of Law and Order sitting in an interrogation room with somebody peppering me with the deepest, most intimate questions that they could possibly ask me to get to know me. And, and so I just, I started to reveal things about myself. And in that moment, and when you're connecting and when you're building a uh, relationship is called self-revelation, where you start telling people about who you are. Now for me, uh, what I learned about myself from that interaction is that I like to warm up slowly over time where we kind of start and we kind of build up and we build the foundation of trust, and then we go into the deep place. But each and every one of us connects in a, in a different way. Uh, you know, it's funny. The internet is a, is a weird place because nowadays, and especially uh, in this era where everything's online, you can literally become friends with somebody. Uh, you can become friends online and be friends and not ever meet them in real life. I, I went to a hockey game last year and uh, my first time going to Rogers Place and I, I go and I see somebody that I'm friends with on Instagram, though I have never met. We were connected because through a mutual friend. And so we never had met in person and we're kind of like looking at each other across these lines and we're like I think I know that person but I don't really know that person but the crazy thing is I know all about that person I just don't know that person and so because there's no uh, relationship outside of knowledge, there was this weird, like, should I talk to them? Should I not talk to them? Is it them? Is it not them? It's kind of like a random celebrity sighting. Uh, if, if you were to go see a celebrity and, and you, let's say it's your favorite person or maybe a favorite athlete, maybe, you know, for us people in Edmonton, we love hockey. We love Connor McDavid. Maybe you know all about Connor McDavid, but if you go and you see him in real life and you start telling him his favorite color and that you love his mom's cooking and like all these random weird details. It's like, it's automatically alarming because the basis of your knowledge is out of simply knowledge. It's not out of relationship. And so what we're discovering here is that God's self-revelation is an invitation to relationship. So as he starts laying out in the Bible, in scriptures, who he is, what his character is, he's not just sharing that so that we know, like, he's not sharing that so we know about him. He's sharing it as an invitation so that we can know him personally. And there's a big difference there. We don't just know about him. We want to know 
him. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into the scripture here. This is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So God is revealing things to us. We're not accountable to the things that that we don't know, but we are accountable to the things that we learn. And so he tells us things and he reveals things to us and it's a mystery and he's peeling back this onion. And, and even this, as we're studying more about who God is, we become an accountable for this knowledge and it becomes a tool for us to deepen our relational status or it can actually serve as a wedge where it drives us apart because it's like, I only want to know the knowledge, but I don't want to know the person and what we're learning intimately is that God's revealing himself to us through scripture, through, uh, through the Bible, through his truth. And this is a foundation, but that foundation is an invitation. The foundation is an invitation. Now, this is from uh, a quote from Emory Bancroft uh, in his book, Christian Theology. He says this, God himself must be the only source of knowledge with regard to his own being and relations. Theology, <laughs> wow. Theology, therefore, is a summary and explanation of the content of God's self-revelations. So the study of Scripture, the study of the Bible, is a summary and explanation of the content of God's self-revelations. So really what we're doing, we're just trying to really know about God so that we can move to a deeper place of relational connectivity with the creator of the universe. Now, Last week, we talked about three foundations. I want to recap those foundations, but I'm hoping you've got a notepad, you've got a notebook. I'm also going to encourage you to grab your own Bible at home. Let's not rely only on the screen. You're always going to see a reference, uh, but grab your own Bible. I want you to start underlining things in your Bible, highlighting things, get a paper Bible, you know, turn up the lights at home as bright as you need them to be to see it clearly. Get your own Bible out. As, as we begin to really study this, it's going to be important that we we, we make note of the ways that God is speaking to us. If God speaks to you in a way and he kind of brings something to your mind or he triggers something, that's okay. Underline it in your Bible, put a little date beside it, make a little note in your notebook about what God is telling you right now. It's important for us to have this strong foundation of our faith. So here we go. We've got three foundations of our faith. Number one, uh, there is only one God. There's Another word for this, uh, it's called monotheism. Uh, and here, this is Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. This is a part of that self-revelation, God telling us who he is. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So um, today I'm calling this message facts. And <laughs> so what I want to say today is there is only one God. Facts, okay? I wish we had like an easy button. Fact, there's only one God. And here's the thing, I've got receipts. As a part of God's self-revelation, he says, listen, hear, O Israel, the, the Lord our God, uh, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, for to help us really unpack this thought, uh, Dr. Daryl W. Johnson from Regent says this, rather than a solitary, monolithic, numerical oneness, the word one is seldom used in the Bible as a digit. 
Okay, so as we're studying Scripture and we, we hear there's only one God, the way that it's communicated in Scripture and the way that we understand it is slightly different. Uh, our, our, our favorite neighborhood theologian uh, from just down the road in Vancouver, uh, down the road across the country in the other province over, uh, Daryl Johnson, he says it like this. Instead, in Scripture, it usually means once and for all, unique, only, or only one, or Unitary. So as we think about this concept, we understand that in Scripture, the word one is not often portrayed as a digit, but it's, it's talking about the uniqueness of the quality that it's once and for all, it's only one, and it's unitary. There's only one God. It's called monotheism. Second foundation, there are three divine persons. So we can look at Matthew 3, and we can actually see a snapshot in action. There's a number of these passages, but Matthew 3 is kind of the best uh, way that we can describe it. This is Matthew 3, uh, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water. Now, this is the moment. This is the time. Focus in on this. Get your highlighter out. Get your pen out. Start underlining this. This is John 3. Uh, sorry. Yep. Uh, sorry. Matthew 3, verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God. So that's the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So here in this moment, we see the father, we see the son who's being baptized, and we see the spirit descending on him, the Holy Spirit, all three persons. So facts, there are only, there are three divine persons. So there's only one God, there are three divine persons. These are vital foundations of our faith. And number three, the three persons are co-equal and co-eternal. We see this snapshot in the book of John, in John chapter 1. And because you're taking notes and you're diligent, if you want to write down a few more supporting verses, you can find Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2, and Colossians 1, verse 15 to 17. But look at this in John 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. That light, the light shines in the darkness. We're talking about Jesus and the darkness can never extinguish it. The persons of the Trinity are co-equal and co-eternal. Facts with receipts. Now, when we talk about this idea of the Trinity, there's this question floating around, and the question is, where do I find the word Trinity in the Bible? And the reality is the word Trinity does not exist in the Bible. Fun fact, uh, the word Trinity was actually created by a man named Tertullian in the third century, and he coined this word to describe the threefold nature of, uh, of God. Uh, previously, people used words like monad or, or triad, trying to describe nature, but he, he did this, he created this word, Trinity, that we now embrace and use. And, and, and like a, it was important to know, he's a layperson. So he's somebody who goes to church, who's reading the Bible, who's, who's connecting with Scripture, who coined a word that is carried on through the generations. 
that we can better understand God. He did this to make sense of the facts that were before the church. The early church, uh, the theologians decided to keep this less than perfect word to preserve the fact that although God is one, God is not alone. Although God is one, God is not alone. And we've got an image here that maybe can help us wrap our minds around this idea that, that God is one, but he is not alone. I, I love the fact that Tertullian took this crazy concept that we're all really trying to wrap our minds around. Last week, we, we learned that when we start to think this way and we start to process in this way, we're not simply thinking our thoughts about God. We're starting to think God thoughts about God. That in Isaiah 55, when he says that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that we're not just thinking the way that we're thinking. We're thinking about God the way that God thinks about God. There's this uh, Scottish preacher. His name is James S. Stewart. And uh, he says it like this. Is it not true that you cannot say all that is contained for you in the word God until you have said Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? That is to believe the Trinity. <laughs> you can't really say God until you have said Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the fullness. It's it's the wholeness, the fullness that we're talking about, this relationship, three in one, uniquely divine, co-equal, co-eternal, three divine persons, stretching our minds. But this is the self-revelation of God. It says, let me introduce you to me. You know, uh, Isaiah 44 verse six to eight says, this is what the Lord says. Okay. This is what the Lord says. This is God saying it to us, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of heaven's army. I am the first and the last. There is no other God who is like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. If you've got that notebook out, if you've got that pen out, if you've got that highlighter out, you need to jump into verse 7 of Isaiah 44 and underline that line and explain its future. Prophecy is an important tool that is used by God where he starts telling things that are going to happen. He starts describing these situations and it's actually one of the ways that he proves who he says he is. He says, listen, here's the facts. I I've got receipts. And as history folds out in the way that he says it, he's establishing his rulership over and authority over all of time and space and human history. Verse eight, do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, <laughs> there is no other rock, not one. There's no other rock, not one. Let's, uh, let's look at this quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. And you might have noticed that we're using a lot of uh, outside authors and thinkers and theologians as we unpack these thoughts, uh, because there's been a whole uh, focus uh, of study around how do we put language to the mystery of God. And so we've got these incredible thinkers who are helping us process through the idea of the Trinity. This is C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. If Christianity 
was something we were making up, of course, we can make it easier. But it is not. We cannot compete in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. <laughs> How could we? We are dealing with fact. Just turn to your neighbor, sitting, uh, whoever's near you on the couch or at home or on the bus, and just say, facts. We are dealing with facts. Of course, anyone can be simple if he does not have any facts to bother about. That brings us to our key, key thought, God's Self-revelation is an invitation to relationship. As we embrace the fact that at the center of our universe is there is a divine, intimate relationship, a community, we, we start to understand the importance of relationship and, and connectivity in a way that we never thought possible. I think this season has shown us the importance of being connected, of, of learning to connect to one another in a way that, that maybe we let our schedules dictate our relationships, but maybe as we come back, as we re-enter, as we, we move into a new season of life, maybe, just maybe, we could let our relationships dictate our schedules. We could rearrange our priorities around this deep connection. Here's, here's Dr. Daryl Johnson just breaking it down again. He says, what does this all mean? It means that in the deepest mystery of his being, God is an intimate relationship, a fellowship, and a community of love. Wow. At the center of the universe, God, who is the definition of love, the essence of love, is an intimate relationship, a fellowship, and a community of love. So let's drill down one step further. What, what does this mean for me? Maybe you're watching like, okay, enough with the facts and the receipts and the verses. What does this mean for me? To do that, we got to go back. We go back to Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Fact, Adam alone is not Adam in the image of God. Genesis 2, that conversation is happening in the midst of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit having a conversation saying, let us make man in our image. So he carries that thought on saying, listen, Adam by himself, Adam alone is not Adam in the image of God. Man is created for a relationship and on earth and on a spiritual plane and level. We need to be in relationship in order to be fully human. Let that sink in. We need to be in relationship in order to be fully human. The lack of or loss of relationship violates our essential nature because we are created to reflect the relational essence of God. <laughs> lack of or loss of relationship violates our essential nature because our essential nature is to be a reflection of the relational essence or nature of God himself. Uh, when Jesus was on earth, he spent a lot of time talking about 
righteousness. Uh, the word righteousness really just means right relationship. Um, and, and so Jesus focused a lot of his conversations and his teaching and his thoughts around this idea of being in right relationship, this idea of righteousness. Sometimes we, we like these big Bible words, but then we're like, what does that mean? Or we read them and it just disconnects. When Jesus says righteousness, he's talking about right relationship. Jesus came to reconcile us. So this is some big words again, but to reconcile us to the heavenly father, to our father in heaven. And he came to reconcile us to each other and to ourselves. Jesus came to make sure that we are in right relationship, first with God, then with one another and with ourselves. That was his role. He was, the, the Bible calls it, he was a, it's a ministry of reconciliation. All that fancy language, all those words to say that if you are living in the midst of broken relationships, God wants to bring healing and hope and restoration to the broken places of your life in the area of relationships. How does the Trinity relate to me? It relates to the way that I relate to other people. I think in, in today's age, we, we would rather cancel somebody than have a car, hard conversation. We'd rather leave a comment in the comment section than, than actually encourage somebody because it's easier to spew negativity than it is to spew hope. In today's climate, it's easier for us to be angry and hostile when we keep people at an arm's length because on the internet, they don't talk back. And if they do, you can just turn them off and hit the mute button. Jesus wants to redeem our relationships and he's giving us, he's given us a relational capacity to see restoration. The story of the gospel is him bringing us back into right relationship with our heavenly father, but it doesn't stop there. When the Holy Spirit poured out at, at the very early church and he poured out, they lived in a deep place of community and relationship. That other word fellowship that I think often gets misconstrued. They, they lived in this close community and they had a love for one another that was deep. I wonder what might happen to our families, our friendships, our church, if we created a space for reconciliation, a place where relationships are prioritized. I mean, the reality is you don't know a relationship, whether you have a relationship or not, until you have attention our abilities to overcome or to work through or to get through those things prove the weight and the depth of our relationships. Can I tell you, your relationships are worth fighting for. You might be watching this right now, participating in some way online, and, you're, and there's a grieving in your heart and your soul because of the brokenness of relationships in your life, maybe in your family or in your home. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's between your kids. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's got to do with church. There's just a brokenness in your heart. We have a personal responsibility to forgive, Our relationships oftentimes come down to our personal responsibility to understand that God's plan and intent is for us to be in deep, committed relationships. This is Dr. Dale Johnson one more time. Nothing grieves 
the triune God more than people who will not work at relationships. Fact. Nothing grieves the heart of God more. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters in there dwell in unity. If you jump down, it says, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing in life forevermore. There is a blessing in unity. There's a blessing in relationship. Relationships take work. They take humility, but it is the nature and the heart of God for us to be connected, not only in our lives, in our relationships with our family, but then to be connected to him, our heavenly father. He gives us the power. He gives us the courage. He gives us the abilities to put back together the broken pieces. He blows on it with his breath, the power of his Holy Spirit to bring us back together. What I want, I don't know about you, but what I want is to be alive in the intimacy, in that relationship at the center of the universe, connected deeply to a God who I know personally and who knows me to know and be known by God. Almost every night I pray a prayer over my boys and I just pray that they would know God and be known by him. And I have the same prayer for you, that you would know God and be known by him. Today, I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never made that decision, to connect to the creator of the universe, to start a personal relationship with the one who handcrafted this universe. You could hold the hand of the one who holds the world. If that's you, you wanna say, yes, I wanna start that journey with Jesus. I wanna go deeper. You mean I can be connected on a personal level where he knows my name? He doesn't just know your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He handcrafted you together in your mother's womb and he wants to walk with you through every season of life. If that's you, you get out your phone right now and you text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 587-400-2010. Maybe you're on a platform like Church Online or Facebook. You can click a button in, in Facebook and you can just write Jesus in the chat. If you're on YouTube, grab that phone, text the word Jesus to 587 Zero. We want to walk with you in this next season. We want to help you get connected to relationships, to community, to find a group, to find a place. When you, when you, when you join, uh, when you accept Jesus into your heart, you can join the family of God and you can join this family, a local family right here to walk with you in the next season. In just a moment, we're going to pray together. But I want to remind you of this incredible quote again. Nothing grieves the triune God more. Nothing grieves God more than people who will not work at relationships. God is a God of relationships, of connection, and of forgiveness. That's who he is. God's self-revelation is an invitation to relationship. Well, thank you so much for listening in on the Saints Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time and enjoy the rest of your day.